Hi, friends. The lives of saints are illuminative. Our saints are our spiritual guides because they give us examples on how to embody the gospel of Christ. And embodying the gospel of Christ is not just in moments of happiness, joy, and glory, but also in moments of sadness, tribulation, and struggles. And when we say embodying the gospel of Christ, there's only one saint that comes to mind, the Blessed Virgin Mary, the holiest of all saints. Because the Blessed Mother, our mother, literally embodied the word, the word of God in her womb. And she lived a life faithful to Christ. And the highlight of her faithfulness is when she stood at the foot of the cross and witnessed the death and crucifixion of her most beloved son, Jesus. My friends, today I am with Miss April Ann Garcia, creator and host of the Unmasked podcast. My name is Ted Patulan, and this is the Cause of Our Joy podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome to Cause of Our Joy podcast. Today, we will be talking about our Blessed Mother Mary and the saints. But before we go there and before I introduce our guest, I just want to give all of you a background about this episode. So I am a sports fan, okay? And I enjoy watching the NBA. I also enjoy playing fantasy football, uh, fantasy basketball with my friends. And to those of you who are unfamiliar with what a fantasy basketball is or fantasy football for those who are into football. So the idea is you, um, you create your own team by um, going through a, an online sports draft, okay? And you select your team and you select your players who you think will lead you to a championship. And because I am a Catholic Christian, it may be realized that we can also apply this concept to our Christian faith. And not as a game, okay? But um, because personally, I have a set of saints I call on to whenever I need prayers or I need help. And I and these saints, okay, um, I actually look up to them. I admire them, especially when it comes to how to follow Christ. Okay, so I made an online poll last year, and I asked my Facebook friends who their favorite saints are. And I did it last year, and it, for me, it was a, a good commemoration of All Saints Day, and it also um, reminded me of the lives of the saints. And last year. I didn't have this podcast, so I never really had the chance to talk about the the, the saints. Okay, the result, especially the results of the poll. Um, praise God, because this year I am once again given the opportunity to do this, and so I I did the the poll, the online poll again with the help of our guest today, and we will shortly reveal to you the results. Okay, our guest today is Miss April Ann Garcia who likes to be called A. She is nearly finishing her postgraduate religious studies course in the Don Bosco School of Theology. And she is the creator and host of the Unmask podcast. 
Now, we will shortly be talking about what the Unmasked podcast is. And without any further delay, let's all welcome A. Hi, A. Hello. Enjoy. Hello, Ted. Uh, good morning from your end. It's good afternoon here from Manila. Um, hello to, to your subscribers, to your viewers. I'm A. You're probably Angie Garcia, but you can call me A. I am a Catholic Filipina millennial. Yes. Um, yes, and I was called uh, by the Lord to create the Unmasked Life. So the Unmasked Life is a social media page available on Facebook and Instagram. So basically, we talk about the Catholic faith, that it is about truth, goodness, and beauty that will lead you to the Unmasked Life. The Unmasked Life, this is the Unmasked Life because it is founded by our one true God, Jesus, and his one true church, the Catholic faith. So. Um, it took a while. It, it was actually my studies in Don Bosco around maybe first year um, wherein I got inspired to the call of new evangelization because we were, we were studying it. I remember second semester and you know, there was a call to do something about it. And I was so um, awestruck by the beauty of Catholicism because I myself, I wasn't um, a believer. Um, I came back to the church around 2015, I had a rock bottom moment, I had a reversion, I had a conversion. And, um, you know, as St. Augustine says, our hearts are restless until they rest in thee, until they rest in him. And um, that's, it's very close to to my uh, to my heart. And eventually, I, I came back home and, you know, just had that fire to, to really um, spread the gospel, spread Catholicism, because it really leads us to the fullness of truth. And um, where else can you find the fullness of truth but in the Catholic faith, the church that Jesus Christ established himself? I guess that's about it for now. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know what, friends? Uh, you should actually <clears throat> check out the Unmasked podcast because A had so many awesome guests and, you know, listening to their stories of conversion and going back home to the Catholic faith is really inspiring okay a shall we consecrate this uh, this episode to our blessed mother yes let us do that let's uh posture our hearts and remind ourselves that we are in the presence of jesus with our blessed mother in the name of the father of the son of the holy spirit Holy Spirit. or jesus you told us to follow yourself you told us to follow you through a narrow door and you've, uh, you never said that it's going to be easy for all of us. But you gave us the Holy Spirit so we can remain on this path, this path to our Father God. And you also gave us so many saints who we can emulate in following you. And more importantly, at the cross, before your final breath, you gave us your own mother, our Blessed Mother Mary, who is our model on how to truly follow you. Thank you, Jesus, Mother Mary, our Blessed Mother. We offer to you this episode. May this inspire more people to live saintly lives and follow Christ. Come, Holy Spirit. Come through the powerful intercession of our Blessed Mother Mary, your well-beloved spouse. Mary, Queen of all saints, pray for us. Pray for us. Of the Father, and of the Son, the Holy Spirit. Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So, um, A, uh, I'm just going to share to everybody who my first five is, first five saints of all time. Um, 
but before I go there, you know, it's it's uh, when I posted the the poll, this uh, um, this uh, online poll on social media uh, last year and this year, my message was clear, and my message was not just for Catholics but for all <clears throat> Christians, because I've always believed that you know getting inspiration from from our saints is not only for Catholics. It is for everybody who follows Christ. So can you tell us why do we need to get inspiration from saints? And, you know, why do we even ask prayers from them? I think um, just a little context before uh, going back to the faith. And when I was studying the faith um, back in 2015, I was going to different two different churches. I was going back to the Catholic Church and then I was going to a Protestant and then, of course, you know, um, I was like, I had so many questions that came here and there. And one of my biggest questions um, were about the saints. I mean, do we even, it seems like from afar, if you're not really catechized, Catholics seem like they worship the saints. It seemed like that for me. And I was learning that personal relationship with Jesus, it's only Christ, it's only our God that we should worship, etc., etc. But along the way, you know, really with the grace of God, I really asked for clarity regarding this particular um, this particular concern and question that I had because it was so boggling. But friends, if you look at it, you know, Jesus, yes, he's our Lord, he's our Savior, he's, he, he is divine, he is he's human. But we have to, to realize that, you know, um, there were people who followed him to the letter. Yes, Jesus finished the race Jesus, because he's, again, now both human and divine. You have to remember he is divine. So I guess he had that, you know, that grace and that power to really finish the race. Now, who are these people or people or saints that also struggle? That's our saints. That's our, our, that's our um, saints that have been uh, lived the life. They followed Christ the fullness and we can take inspiration from them because they are human like us they are only human like us but because of their love for christ love for the gospel love for the catholic faith they have finished the race and the scripture says um you know to to go to a holy person for prayers because um they are already with christ they they have the ability to listen to prayers um and uh, i had i guess one of the uh, moments of aha for me, which I found in uh, Nico Memorizing verse. It's from 1 Peter, uh, 2 Peter 1 14, wherein it says, We become sharers of God's divine nature, right? So, Amen. if we become sharers of divine nature, we are given our saints or even us, if we have already lived the fullness of life, have that ability to also hear prayers. But it is the ability to hear praise, prayers answering with the power of God. It is not the saints that grants um, our wishes or what. It's really God. It is really through his prayers, through it is really God um, that has that ability. But he is just using the saints as his instruments, you know, to lead us closer to him above all else. So it's, a, and we have to remember, no, our faith is communal. It's not only personal. So God has given us these people as active channels of grace to win the race together. Because again, it's, it's not just a personal faith. It's a communal faith. It's a battle. It's a journey that we will all walk through, through and through together. 
very beautiful a and um i'd like what you said about um you know um you mentioned something about faith seeking understanding you know people doubt us especially because they think that we're worshiping the saints but you know to those people who think this way i encourage you to to have a look at um how we devote or how we how we talk to our saints and understand it from from a perspective of faith faith seeking understanding and a in in the nicene creed we always say communion of the saints of course in the bible saint paul addressed all saints all all christians as saints mm-hmm. and saints are you and me saints are those who who strive to to follow christ and for me sainthood is not just about dying for christ although it would be good to offer our lives to to, to our lord jesus christ because it was himself who said that um there's no better love than to offer one's life for a friend that's from john yeah. chapter 15 um but we also need to remember that living a normal life or simple life can also be sainthood and Amen. the perfect model for this is joseph and mary um they became saints just by being parents and in a way they've also offered their lives to jesus not by dying but by living and um, by living and you know taking care of Jesus and raising him up, they shared Jesus to all of us. And so um, I just want to share with all of you my first five, okay, my first five saints of my top five saints. Okay, I have Saint Louis Marie de Montfort because um, of his teaching about Marian consecration uh, through devotion to Mary, and he is one of the saints who inspired me to become who I am now, okay? And I have St. Maximilian Kolbe, who is also one of the greatest Marian saints of all time and founder of the Militia Immaculata. It was actually one of his messages which uh, propelled me to, to, to tell people about our Blessed Mother. And we have, of course, St. Joseph. I have St. Joseph in my life. St. Joseph, the foster father of Jesus. Why? Primarily because he was the first one, first ever to consecrate his life to Mary. And fourth is St. Dominic de Guzman because um, of the Holy Rosary. Okay, Because our Blessed Mother gave the Holy Rosary to St. Dominic and asked St. Dominic to preach the Holy Rosary to all peoples. And last but not the least, we I have a St. Lo- Saint San Lorenzo Ruiz. A first Filipino saint who also happened to be a member of the Confraternity of the Holy Rosary founded by the Dominicans. How about you, A? Who are your first five? My top five, first five, um, it would have to be St. Therese of Lisieux, um, St. Rita of the Impossible Causes, mm-hmm. uh, uh, St. Augustine, uh, yeah, Augustine, and then, of course, Mama Mary, and, and St. John Bosco. So for my reasons, so my top here is really St. Therese of Lisieux. Um, at first, I was interested in her because she said everything is grace. Like that was in itself a beautiful statement already. But in theology, we're, we were studying like, uh, we were studying that every experience is a God experience. And the question was why? We explained it further, the, the theological bit. But I just, along the way it kind of connected to me that every experience is a god experience because everything is grace 
And it is through St. Therese of Lisieux that I discovered that. So every pain, every suffering, every trial, every happy point, joyful moment, it's grace because every experience is a God experience. And uh, St. Therese of Lisieux, she's, she's the little flower, right? She, she um, taught that the little way, the little way that can bring us to sanctification. And I like that she's so humble, she's so meek, um, she is so naive. But she became a doctor of a church, doctor of the church, one of the doctors of the church. And I'll, I'll talk about it a little uh, later. So I was just really so um, impressed with her little ways. She became uh, one of the doctors of the church. And parang for me, hashtag goals. And lalo na nito when we were, I know when, when we were studying, when I was studying her for this podcast, she became even more close to me because she was also fighting a lung disease and I have lung problems. So wow, Lord, your provision is so is so great. So that's why I love her talaga. Um, uh, Saint Rita, I watched the movie of her and she went through like immense pain, immense suffering. She actually started as a married woman, but later on she she entered in a convent and uh, she experienced much suffering. People died, her family died, but um, in the end she was able to um, she was able to enter into that convent and she her life was made possible even though it was so impossible already. So I pray to her when things I ask her to pray for me when things seem impossible. Uh, next is uh, Saint Augustine. I, I, I feel so close to him because of his conversion story of being a non-believer before, but then his mother, St. Monica, Monica, prayed for her, for his conversion. And I truly believe that my mother also prayed for my conversion. Amen. And there, there's just like that bond, that tie. And of course, as he said, our hearts are restless until he rests in me. So I look up to him. I also look up to him for the theological side. Um, I love... I, it's hard to read his books, but I like reading about the very, very nosebleed. Saint uh, John Bosco, of course, I, I got to know him because of uh, studying at Don Bosco School of Theology, and he really has this love for the youth, you know. And as right now, um, uh, there is a call for us people, you know, to bring back the youth to the church, bring mm -hmm. back the youth to, to Christ. And I think he has a great mission of molding, you know, like me, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm a no one. I'm a no one, actually. I, I just had the heart and the desire to, to, to study theology at first. But along the way, there was a call and mission. Hey, you should teach in the future. And hopefully with God's grace, um, I could, I could do that. And I think St. Uh, John, John Don Bosco, Father Bosco, uh, has inspired me to do so along the way. And of course, our dear Mother Mary. No? Um, at first, um, I had a very big problem with Our, our Lady, to be honest. Because uh, when, when I reverted back to the church, I couldn't understand why Catholics have this... Why do they worship her? For me at first, you know, looking at that. But, you know... <clears throat> I think my I had la, I had last two battles before really accepting the faith. It was the Eucharist and Mother Mary. Mother Mary was the second one, and I guess um, I remember even telling my mom, "Why are we Why are we praying the Rosary? It's not even biblical." I didn't. to my head. I didn't know the theology of it, but when I further studied, the mysteries of the Rosary are in fact biblical. I'm praying a 
biblical prayer in fact and i think uh while the while the the intellectual was being um was being clarified already praise god he was really leading me there was i had an experience with mother mary i remember um i was I slept in my car. This is a personal. I slept in my car because I was early for work. I was in the basement. It was dark. Mga 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. And then I remember having a bad dream. Like, you alam mo yung parang bangungot na you, ca- you cannot wake up. It's something like that. And I was alone in my car. But in my dream, I was praying the Hail Mary. So it's like, Hail Mary, full of grace. Then the Lord is with you. I suddenly woke up. Because I really couldn't, you know, pag binabangungot yung person, you can't move eh. But I, I, when I was praying that, and then I suddenly, parang bigla siyang, ano, bigla kong nagising eh. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among us. Holy Mary, Mother of God. And then I suddenly, suddenly nakikita ko na ulit yung brightness, yung nagigising na ako. And that was a miracle for me. <clears throat> and I think that was one of the turning points. Um, why I began to to love our mother because she she really in fact leads us to Christ. The Lord is with you. In fact, the, the thing that I woke up in the Lord is with you with a Hail Mary prayer is like a great testimony how our mother helps us, you know, to to go to Christ. Um, and it's not about her. She always leads us to Christ. That's it. I said a lot, but that's my Top five. And it's a beautiful story, A. And one thing that we could take from that, my dear friends, is, you know, um, our blessed mother would always come to our rescue just by her name. And even by by saying a short Hail Mary, she would always be there for us. Now, we have a multitude of saints to choose from. And the saints we admire are different from one person to another because it depends on how the Holy Spirit um, speaks to all of us, and the Holy Spirit speaks to all of us uniquely and individually. For example, um, I admire so many Marian saints because of my Marian devotion, my devotion to mm. our Blessed Mother. Now, before we look into the results of this poll, um, I just want to say that the, the results are limited to mostly my friends um, and and <clears throat> students, okay, and yep. uh, most of them are Filipinos, so we can't really say that this reflects the top five of the entire. Yeah. World, okay, but one thing I realized as I was going through them is this: these um, five or six things that we're going to be talking about soon are worldwide loved. Yeah. Okay, everybody knows them, and everybody loves them. So, um. I'm going to start now. Okay, we will start from the bottom. Okay, so drum roll. <laughs> fifth place. Okay, so, so and on our fifth place, we have Mother Teresa. Okay, A, what, okay. Yeah, what can you say about uh, Mother Teresa? Okay, I'll take it away. So for Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa of Calcutta. So my, I, I'm going to read to you guys. Uh, you can just, you know, comment along the way that I'm going to read to you guys some excerpts. This is from the Vatican website. So um, I, I like this quote by Mother Teresa. She says, by blood, I'm Albanian. By citizenship, an Indian. By faith, I'm a Catholic nun. As to calling, I belong to the world. As to my heart, I belong entirely to the heart of Jesus. So what a great quote. 
So just a short, uh, just some description about her. As we all know, no, she's a small of stature, but she has a rock-like faith. Um, and the Lord um, has entrusted Mother Teresa of Kolkata in the mission of proclaiming God's thirsting love for humanity, especially to the poorest of the poor. And she's very famous for that, as we all know. She was filled with the light of Christ on fire. She was really on fire with love for him and the burning one desire of Christ, um, which she responded to, to quench his thirst for love and for souls. So um, apart from that, uh, she she was the youngest in the family. Mm-hmm. And then um, she actually didn't come from the, the what they call this, the, the convent or the sisterhood that she herself established. But she came from a previous convent before. Um, and then interestingly, uh, her name, the name that she received, which is Sister Mary Teresa after St. Teresa of Lisieux, which I will talk about later on. It's just wonderful that it's all connected, right? Uh, she continued at St. Mary's, that is her first convent, um, as a school principal. So she really loved to teach. It was like her first mission, her first goal, her first uh, way to, to spread uh, God's love. She was noted for charity, for her courage, and for her capacity for hard work. It was a natural, and she also had a natural talent for organization. So she liked to put things in order. Uh, And then, yeah, she lived out her consecration to Jesus uh, with great fidelity and joy. And then just to to also share why she started this this, uh, uh, congregation. She calls it like an inspiration within a call. Because I, 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 I said, I rather, uh, I watched a video na parang, okay, when you changed your, or your, ano, your convent, did you change vocation? She said it was not a changing of a vocation, but more of, you know, changing the ways lang of how she loved Christ. And that was really reaching out to the poor. So Christ, uh, she had visions and then of Jesus calling her jesus was telling her come to my light and he even begged her i cannot go alone it makes me realize that um you know christ really wants us to partake of the mission and it's so humble of christ to tell mother teresa that i cannot go alone so there's that some sort of humility that's very interesting and very truthful about our lord and savior yeah so uh, after that uh he asked Mother Teresa to establish the religious community Missionaries of Charity. I always keep on forgetting the name. I'm sorry. Missionaries of Charity, dedicated to serve the poorest of the poor. So we all know this. We all know her life. Um, I'll fast forward to the time wherein um, it was found out that after her death, she had pala this whole time of darkness that she did not feel um, the presence of God. It was a time of darkness. I found out about this maybe two years ago when I, when we were talking in Bible study, that even though she was serving to the poorest of the poor, she, um, in her words, it, it was a time of darkness. It was a painful night, rather painful nights for her soul. And um, she couldn't feel the presence of God. It was something of like that. It was really a period of darkness for her. You know, but um, in spite of that, she continued to serve. She endured. 
we call this like a redemptive suffering moment because in the end um she was canonized as a saint mm -hmm. and she she saved so many lives she she really went to the streets brought them in even though uh, even though she had none. Interestingly, yung first person, it was a female, according to the interview, that she brought in from the streets. She brought her into the hospital. Yes. And the hospital, the, the hospital didn't want to take her, take the person in, but she was so persistent, take her, she's gonna die. Eventually, they took her in. So, yeah. Um, just to end with Mother Teresa, um, so Mother Teresa, Teresa left a statement of un unshakable faith, invincible hope, and extraordinary charity. Her response to Jesus' plea, come be my light, made her a missionary of charity, a mother to the poor, a symbol of compassion to the world, and a living witness to the thirsting love of God. The last two years uh, after her death, um, in view of Mother Teresa's widespread reputation and holiness being reported, Pope uh, John Paul II permitted the opening of her cause of canonization. On December 20, 2002, he approved the decrees of her heroic virtues and miracle, miracles. So, a final quote, I love this, uh, that she said in an interview. And it shook me, actually, to the bones. And I shared this in our Bible study last Thursday. We will be judged on how we treat the poor, mm -hmm. the immigrant, the homeless. The poor are our salvation. Mother Teresa's contemplative life was through service to the poor. Jesus most di uh, distressing disguise. So there, um, I have said much. Um, I think I'm considering Mother Teresa in my top five now <laughs> after after uh, studying her. But, you know, she really just dedicated her life to the poor. And I think my main key, main key takeaway from her is that um, you know, even if you are in uh, a time of trial, tribulation, and darkness, and actually our Sunday gospel talks about tribulations and trouble, um, continue to endure. Continue to, to have hope and faith that Christ will guide you and lead the way. And at the end of the day, you're not doing things for yourself, but you're doing it for the gospel. You're doing it for Jesus. And this is very practical and true for us Catholic Christians. I experienced this myself, to be honest. But, um, but you know, the word of Christ really um, inspires me to, to go on. And I'm reminded that um, I too am very weak and cannot do it alone. So that's it for our top five, Mother Teresa of Calcutta. We also have to take note, uh, A, that Mother Teresa <laughs> is a saint is known not just to Catholics but but also to non-believers. Yeah. Humanitarian organizations outside the church actually recognize Mother Teresa as a mother, like you said, as a mother of charity. And they actually acknowledge her work of charity. Um you mentioned something about redemptive redemptive suffering. And this re redemptive suffering is you know only talked about by Catholics. Interestingly, and yes. but if you look at the lives of saints, in in theology we have what we call a dark night of the soul. Okay, um, it's it's a in in layman's term we call it a spiritual dryness. Okay, but there are two forms of of spiritual dryness: spiritual dryness in the absence of prayer, 
and spiritual dryness in the um, or the dark night of the soul, which are experienced by our saints. Okay, the redemptive su- suffering. And, and the concept is this, okay? God is light. God, God is the source of light. And as we follow Christ, as we imitate his life, as we become like Mary, okay, we also, we also you know, have a share of this light, okay? So we, we also have light in our lives. But the thing is, as we become closer to Christ, as we become closer to God, our light would fade because God is the source of light, Okay, so this was experienced by Saint Bernadette Subiru, Saint uh, Therese of Lisieux, um, Padre Pio, and all the other saints who who believed in suffering as a form of being part or sharers in the redemptive suffering of Christ. And this was actually a preaching of Saint Paul. Now, a in our fourth spot. As this this is actually a surprise for me, A, because um, I think this saint should be on the top one. Oh, okay. yeah. Top uh, one. Okay. Yeah. So our fourth spot is St. Joseph. Okay. Fourth place is St. Joseph. And why, why do I think he deserves to be on the top of the list? Okay. Because first of all, I'd like to thank. Pope Francis for declaring a year of, of St. Joseph, which by the way will end very soon. It will end this year on the 8th of December. Okay. We never had a year of St. Joseph in our in our entire history, and I'm sure we will never have another year of St. Joseph in our lifetime. There's no more quotes about Saint, uh, there's no quotes from uh, about St. Joseph that I could share because as you are aware. St. Joseph did not speak any word in the Bible. And yet there are so many things we could talk about St. Joseph. This year alone is a witness to how many printer and pen inks were used to come up with so many devotional guides, teaching materials, and books about St. Joseph. And I myself made a separate episode about St. Joseph. And as we all know, St. Joseph is the foster father of Jesus, but that is not his only identity. He is also heir to the throne of David. And we know this from Holy Scripture. In in the Gospel of Matthew, in the genealogy of Matthew, um, Matthew identified Joseph as uh, coming from the line of uh, King David. So he came from a royal line, from the royal line of of King David. And also, when the angel appeared to to St. Joseph to announced the pregnancy of Mary. The angel acknowledged Joseph as the son of David, confirming that he comes from the royal line of David. So if you ask me, A, um, do I think St. Joseph knew then that he came, he, he's a king or he, he, the, he he's coming from a, from a royal line of David? Yes, I, I, I believe that St. Joseph knew that he, he is a king. And this is what's so amazing about um, Saint Joseph, because despite you know being told by the angel that you know he came from the line that he's a son of David, he remained a lowly and poor carpenter. Mm-hmm. He remained; he stayed a lowly and poor carpenter, so he can protect Jesus. 
Um, there's so many things I'd like to say about St. Joseph, but uh, you know, this podcast episode that we're doing today is not enough to talk about St. Joseph. But I just want to share a couple of my favorite titles of St. Joseph. First is St. Joseph is patron of families. St. Joseph was the head of the Holy Family. Um, he was able to provide food to Jesus and Mary despite their poverty. So St. Joseph is a patron of uh, families. He's a role model for fathers. Um, so not just that, okay? And we see the family as a domestic church, okay? So when the Holy Family was exiled to, to Egypt, St. Joseph pr provided protection to the Holy Family. And because the, that Holy Family was also a domestic church, this is the reason why we call St. Joseph protector of the Holy Church. Have you got anything else to add? St. Joseph, um, I, I honestly um, only had the appreciation for him this year because nga, um, Pope Francis opened that this is the year of, 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 of St. Joseph. And um, we, got to, we got to have the consecration to, to St. Joseph. I need to redo mine because uh, I, I I think I've only finished half of it. Not 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 in full. So I have to redo mine. But yeah, um, it's weird for me that there's little or there's no quotation. There's no verbatim of Saint Joseph in script. It's weird because he has a special place. Yeah, but maybe he was maybe he was just really a humble person. You know, he was really a humble person. He was a strong father, and he is a great example, you know, for, he should, he is the great example for Catholics, for, for father Catholics to be, or, you know, or even existing Catholic uh, fathers to really, um, to really take inspiration from. And I love that he's a protector of our church. It's fitting mm -hmm. because he's very masculine. He protected Jesus, protected Mary. It's really, really only fitting. And um, it's a great direction for the Catholic Church, really, because I really don't know so much about St. Joseph only just now. And it's great that there's that equal um, importance. Oh, I want to add, I, I, I watched the video for St. Joseph. I'm not sure if we're, we're going to talk about it later, but he is the protodulia. This is a new thing that I just heard because I only... That we will talk on later, but it's veneration to uh, to Saint Joseph. It's quite new to me, to be honest, because I only know the other ones. But yeah, that's it for me for Saint Joseph. Thank you. A eh? spoiler alert. Yes, we will be talking about yeah. Saint Joseph again later, and our yeah. blessed mother. Now moving on to our third place. Okay, so we have Saint Francis of Assisi. Now, a eh, I must admit. <coughs> challenge for me because I don't really know much about our dear St. Francis. And this is because I'm more of a Dominic guy, St. Dominic guy. And, and this is my shortcoming, okay? Because St. Saint Francis, saint, saint Francis is a totally awesome saint, okay? Um, one of my realizations as, we, as I was going through the top five list, and these top five lists are well loved not only by Catholics, but also for those who don't believe in God. And St. Francis is loved by everybody. And why is that? Because St. Fran Francis embraced poverty, 
Okay, he came from a rich and noble family, and even before his conversion, as a young, you know, as a as a teenager, as a young gentleman, he never never failed to give alms to the poor. There were two tragic events in his life. He was imprisoned and he was sick for a long time. Okay, and during these uh, two tragic events, he was <clears throat> focused on his interior life. Okay. Um, and as he was focusing on his uh, interior life, he he eventually converted and he focused on his relationship with God. So when he recovered and when he regained his health back again, he fully embraced poverty. Okay, he was known to swap clothes with the poor. He hugged and kissed the source of lepers. He wow. um, he he lived and begged for money with beggars. In wow. the letter of St. James, it, was, it is said that faith without action is dead. St. Francis is a man who acted on his faith. Okay? And all of this happened in the 13th century. And 13th century was a time of a growing sense of materialism in the entire world. And people, are more, um, people were more into material things. And they were really forgetting to, to go to church or neglecting their faith. Aside from that, um, there was also issues of corruption in the church. Okay, So by his vow of poverty, he inspired Christians to believe in the Catholic church once again. Okay, wow. So um, there, were, there were many people who, who followed um, St. Francis. And they were encouraged to, to live uh, the life of St. Francis. And th this is how eventually he found the Franciscan order. And one of his uh, female, uh, first female followers, St. Clare of Assisi, founded the Order of Poor Ladies. Okay. So St. Francis of Assisi is a patron of stowaways. And he is apparently he's also a patron of animals. I didn't know that. Okay. Tradition says that he is able, he was able to speak and pray for animals. So St. Francis is a very awesome saint. And this is um, one of the reasons why he is well known, because he was able to radically follow Christ. And when, when the people ask him, which of all the virtues is most agreeable to God? He answered, Poverty is the way to salvation, the nurse of humility, and the root of perfection. Its fruits are hidden, but they multiply themselves in infinite ways. Wow. It's very closely linked to, to Mother Teresa, isn't it? Yes, I know. The, the embracing of poverty. Now, here's the thing, okay? In our yeah. second place, there's a tie, Okay. Um, there are two saints who are sharing the second spot. Okay. A, can you please tell us about um, our dear Saint Therese of the Shoe? Yes. So top two. Um, top two. So, you know, we have a tie later on, but I'll talk about my favorite saint. Sorry, maybe bias, but she's really my favorite saint. Saint Therese of the Shoe. So my... My references for St. Therese of the Zoo, Lies of the Saints, if you want to check out, check that out, and Heaven Help Us. So these are good references. And a long short. So I'll be reading. For this, for 
plugging these books. Yes. Ano lang, good, good Catholic reading. So, mm-hmm. I'll read from this and I'll read from my from my notes there. So, St. Therese of Lisieux, um, she's actually the patron saint for missionaries and also a patron, the patron saint for tuberculosis. So, grabe, powerful that she has, you know, so many, so many, um, so many patron saints to be about. Um, her feast day is on October 1. Um, I celebrated that day for her as well. So she was the youngest of five sisters, but they were all nine. Um, but she was also the weakest. I mean, when she was born into this world, um, the doctors feared for her life that she was not going to survive. But with the grace of God, um, she did. But in her early age, um, it was it was hard for her. So there was a nurse caring for her in her early age. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the baby of the family. She was very beautiful. She was blonde. She was affectionate, stub- stubborn, um, alarmingly precocious. Um, she was very bubbly. And uh, she had a great, great smile. And, and she was the favorite, quote, unquote, of her father. Um, her name, her, sorry, I forgot to tell her. Her original name was Marie-Francois Therese Martin. So, um, she was born into a very a big home, nga, and also her, her parents were very faithful. But uh, she also experienced pain and suffering. And her second most painful suffering was when her mother died. So, because she really had that much love and care for her mother, but uh, she died along the way. So, it was because of that, um, in her words, my disposition... Uh, completely changed, as she remembered. I became timid, retiring, sensitive to an excessive degree. During her school life, it was said that uh, she found some of her classes bored or boring, but she loved the catechism, she loved history, she loved science, but the rest, spelling, mathematics, she didn't like it too much. Okay, so what was her moving forward? So why did she want to become a nun, right? So her first sister, she actually had multiple sisters that Mm -hmm. that entered the Carmelite uh, monastery. So they were really secluded. It's a monastery, so it's uh, very contemplative and secluded. So her first sister, her big sister, Pauline, she actually got inspired by her. Um, uh, And Pauline was like her second mother, so she found it a little devastating as well. But um, along the way, she had that, you know, serious um, longing already to be part of the, the Carmelite Monastery. But interestingly, Therese was only 10 years old, 10 or 9 years old. She already had that. And she was persistent to enter the Carmelite uh, Monastery, yes. but she wasn't. She wasn't really allowed. And mind you, nga, diba? she's very makulit, pasaway, and very persistent. But um, uh, here, when Therese was about 14, her eldest sister entered nga into the Carmelite convent. But then another uh, sister shortly followed. Um, what I love about it is that her father was understandably um, understandable about the about her goal and passion, but of course also upset because favorite siya eh, siya yung bunso. But interestingly, um, pumunta pa sila ng Rome to meet the Holy Father, Pope Leo XIII, you know, yes. to really hear her plea because she wanted to enter the, the Carmelite convent. And she was uh, very, very persistent. 
And after her persistent entreaties, she won her case and was told when she completed her 15th year, she could finally enter the Carmelite novitiate at the zoo. So that memorable day was April 9, 1888. So there, she was uh, she was part of the Carmelite convent. It was a rigorous routine, um, prayer, meditation, um, etc. And during all these all those years that she had in the convent, she never lost sight of her purpose in life. Mm-hmm. And her purpose in life, I failed to mention, was that it was the call for glory, but not her glory, but for God's glory. And at a very young age, no, she had that um, wideness. Uh, she had that enlightenment. When I was 10 years old, I didn't have that kind of enlightenment. Mm-hmm. But she, her maturity, her wisdom was really beyond her age. And that, that's very, very uh, beautiful. Uh, during her whole stay at that secluded convent, Therese was obtrusively developing her little way to sanctity, which she was, she is known for right now. So the little way to sanctity is basically finding holiness in the little things. Mm-hmm. Finding holiness in the little things that you will do on the day-to-day basis. Because in these little ways, you will be sanctified. And you will only do that if you offer it up to God you 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 lift it up to him so that was the little way and i really love that because sometimes you know as catholics as christians no we kind of think that we can only bring glory to god if we do something you know very big or you know very um out of this world go on mission go on mission maybe exactly but i love the theology of um saint therese of lisieux that you know, just look at your life right now. You can find holiness. And admittedly, this is a struggle for myself as well. I struggle with this, most especially, you know, on the practical side at day-to-day work, No, You can be ticked off with people, Deva. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm I, I'm reminded and I, I thank uh, God through St. Therese of Lisieux that, hey, even in your holy ways, um, you have to, to, to bring it. Um, even in your little ways, you have to bring it to God. Scripture tells us that also in Colossians. Um, she endured hardships, um, of course, hardships in the convent, and then fast forward to, uh, to her years of her final years. So on April 3, 1986, 1896, rather, she coughed up blood. So this was the time that she was um, diagnosed with tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. And she actually didn't tell her mother um, superiors at first. Eventually, she did. But um, according to some um, articles and this one that I read, um, she wasn't, uh, what do you call this? She refused some treatments. Like it was refused there. She refused some treatments and just really endured the pain and and suffering. She really endured it. there, she died at age 24, so very, very young, a very young saint. And she is a doctor, one of the doctors of her church. She was, she's one of the youngest doctors of her church because of the little ways. Um, shortly after her death, her own sisters would ask her questions, realizing her unusual sanctity. They asked if she feared eternal punishment. And what did she say? Little children are not damned. She was heard to say prior to her death, I will spend 
my heaven uh, doing good on earth. I also like when she said, uh, God will have to do whatever I want in heaven because I have never followed my own will on earth. So such a humble child talaga. She's also known for her picture, um, the cross with the, the petals, the, the rose flowers. So um, I don't, it's an interesting story for, for this whole modern art. Um, she spoke prophetically and said, keep those petals carefully, sister, and don't lose any of them. Later on, they will be useful to you in making people happy. Interestingly, someone was made cure of cancer because of mm. those rose petals. So that was very, very interesting. So St. Therese um, had undying love for missions, constantly uh, talking to two missionary priests. That's why she's a patron saint of missionaries. So um, she had an interesting statement a while back uh, on spiritual statistics. So her, her mind uh, was so was really so profound already and how she can make, you know, big concepts, something small and something, uh, you know, very relatable to us. And then um, May 17, she, she became a saint. Um, on May 3, 1944, the late Pope Pius added a new order to her. So there are so many things about St. Therese of Lisieux. But she's very close to my heart. Every time that I experience, you know, trials and sufferings, I just go to what she says before that everything is grace because every experience is a God experience. Um, you can learn so much for her from her, for her lit from her little ways. You know, we don't need to do something extravagant. Just look at our daily lives, and our daily lives will really uh, lead us to Christ. Anything, anything you wanna say there? Well, when you when you mentioned that interest <laughs> refused treatment, uh, the the saint that came to my mind was Saint Bernadette Subiru of uh, Lourdes, because um, when she was when she was ill of health, the the nuns in her congregation offered to take her back to Lourdes because they all believed that, of course, our Blessed Mother, Our Lady of Lourdes, will pray for Saint Bernadette's health. And you know, seek a healing miracle from Jesus Christ, but Saint Bernadette Subiru um, refused to be brought back to Lourdes, and because she believed in that redemptive suffering again. The other saint in second place, of course, how can I forget this saint? Okay, is Saint Pio of Pietrelcina, or more commonly known as Padre Pio. Okay, Padre Pio is one of the greatest contemporary saints. His name is Frances, Francesco Forione, and he is a Capuchin friar. He loved to pray and go to Mass. And as a young boy, he started seeing visions as early as five years old. He is known to be able to talk to his guardian angel. And we, when he became a priest, his Masses would last several hours because of his periods of contemplation during Mass. And, you know, in our present day and age, People would always complain if the mass is too long, if the homily is too long. But when, when during Padre Pio's time, people would actually stay at mass, even wow. if the even if the mass would take several hours. Because whenever um, Padre Pio would pause in a moment of contemplation and mm. reflection, in between what he's saying, okay, they they knew that something bigger is happening. 
and that they knew that that saint that Padre Pio is actually with Christ. So they were just there, okay? And Padre Pio, um, when he was asked to shorten his mass, he said he'd like to do it, but he just can't do it because he's with Christ. Padre Pio loved to pray the rosary, and he prayed the rosary so many times. When he was asked what legacy he would like to leave, he said, my legacy is my child, the rosary. Wow. So the parishioners saw Padre Pio as a very pious man with so many spiritual gifts, including miracles. Many people came to Padre Pio for spiritual blessing, for healing, and for confession. And, you know, talking about confession, it is known that the devil himself, in the form of a stranger, confessed to Padre Pio. And it happened twice, okay? And, of course, by the time Padre Pio asked the stranger to seek absolution from God with a contrite heart, the stranger disappeared. Okay, Padre Pio is also one of the saints who, who received a stigmata. So he's a truly impressive saint. He's loved not only by Filipinos, but loved by everybody in the entire world. And uh, before I end, I just want to share this uh, message, um, Padre Pio's message about the rosary. Okay, so Padre Pio is also a Marian saint. Okay, um, and this is what Padre Pio said: If we do what we have always done, what our fathers did before us, we cannot go wrong. Satan wants to destroy this prayer, but in this he will never succeed. The, the Rosary is the prayer of those who triumph over everything and everyone. It was Our Lady who taught us this prayer, just as it was Jesus who taught us the Our Father. So, would you like to add anything about Padre Pio? Eh? Padre Pio, um, I recent I I know Padre Pio by name, and of course the whole stigmata. I call him Padre P. And recently, I I think um, I got in touch with the with the spiritual sister. She's my professor, and she was sharing a little bit about uh, Padre Pio and that she had a special love for him. Um, I, I saw like so many paintings that she shared to me and there's really like a special place in her heart for Padre Pio. Interesting note that you said um, that his mass would go on for several hours. I did not know about that. And it's great that people, you know, would stay for that long. Um, I guess he was an, a very, very powerful preacher, a very, very powerful priest. And um I, I'm very keen to knowing him more also. So thank you for sharing about Padre P. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, Padre Pio is really a wonderful saint. In fact, mm -hmm. um, Padre Pio is on the list of my mother, top five list of my mother. Anyway, shall we now go to our <clears throat> first place? And the first place is no other than Pope John Paul II. Yes, okay, PJP too. The great PJP, uh, ako lang yung great na nagsabi, but for me, he's great. The great uh, Saint PJP too, Saint John Paul II, uh, also known as Carl, Wojt Carl Josef Wojtyła, his first name, original name, born in Poland. And um, he also experienced much suffering from a very young age. He lost um, his mother, he lost his father, um, he even lost his older brother before turning 21. So imagine the loss, the pain and suffering that um, he experienced. Um, I'll go through some quotes 
um, that he mentioned that would kind of describe the stages of his life. So as he said, during his child, uh, during his early days, um, I had not yet made my first Holy Communion when I lost my mother. I was barely nine years old. My father's words played a very important role because they directed me towards becoming a true worshiper of God. After her death and later the death of my older father, I uh, sorry, brother rather, I was left alone with my father. Again, a deeply religious man who was really able to um, lead him to worship Christ. And I like this one. He said, his example was in a way my first seminary kind of domestic seminary so his father really lived um a holy life that led him towards a, a great mission a vocation a great vocation rather as a young priest um he learned to love human love uh, if one loves human love there naturally arises the need to commit oneself completely to the service of fair love because love is fair it's beautiful love is just it's not a feeling it's not just an emotion, but it's an action. Um, at the early of his papacy, and I'll pass forward, of course, we know that he became um, a pope. <clears throat> and um, uh, thankfully, I was, yeah, I, I think I was already alive. Still, I was already alive to witness him, <clears throat> even during his final, ano, final days. He says, uh, do not be afraid. Open wide the doors. Uh, Christ knows What's in man? He alone knows. Uh, this was one of his addresses in during his early days of papacy. Um, he was elected Pope October 16, 1978. He is the wow, 263rd successor to Peter. And he was also known to have one of the longest pontificates in the history of the church, right? Lasting 27 years, he retained his Episcopal motto uh, drawn from his profound insight from St. Louis de Montfort, Totus Tuos, I am completely yours. So I will fast forward to the assassination attempt that we all know, very famous all around the world. So yun nga, um, he was um, assassinated uh, during that time. And he says, in everything that happened to me on that day, I felt the mother of God's extraordinary motherly protection and care, which turned out to be stronger than any deadly bullet. Um, I believe it was known to be that the bullet, um, uh, it, it did not push because he was wearing a medal, which is our mother, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure if it was a medal of Hatim or something, but it was in relation to our mother. That's why he has like a great deep devotion for our mother Mary, which really helped him survive that whole assassination attempt. And another great thing about, another great and radical uh, thing about uh, St. JP too is that he went to the person who, who attempted to assassinate him. He forgave this person. He himself made a personal visit. And you can see really the face of Christ in him. It is only Jesus that can do such act. And he acted just like Christ. So what was his legacy all about? Uh, JP II's doctrinal legacy is one of the richest in the history of the church. He tirelessly guarded the deposit, the deposit of faith, rather, and the traditions of the church from errors, promoting authentic theological, moral, and spiritual doctrine. You also know that um, St. JP II is fighting for human rights. 
Um, so he's very, very strong about that. And of course, his emphasis to the universal call to holiness. So very, very, he had, he had much emphasis on that during his legacy. And of course, we know the great, the great Jubilee. Um, throughout his pontificate, uh, Pope, jo- Pope JP2 guided and prayed for the church to celebrate the great Jubilee, a celebration of the mercy of God and forgiveness, which began with the opening of the holy door of St. Peter's Basilica. So we're very familiar about this. It was a great um, uh, pilgrimage for everyone um, who was living, who is living the, the Christian life. Um, and he really emphasized for this great jubilee and the importance for unconditional love for every human creature, and in particular for the prodigal son. So he established the uh, he he established such year, you know, for people to really go back to the church and to discover God again, to have that great conversion, etc. Okay, fast forward to. Um, this death and beatification. So just to quote from him, death it itself is anything but an event without hope. It is the door which opens wide on eternity. And for those who live in Christ, experience a participation in the mystery of his death and resurrection. So during his final days, he was suffering from Parkinson's um, and the after effects of the wounds from his attempted assassination. Multiple, he had multiple surgeries. He even lost his voice. So um, during that time, he was already expressing his final days. And just to close, um, uh, this is also, he's one of my favorite um, popes. Uh, Pope Benedict XVI, I believe he's going to be also a great saint one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says that we can be sure that our beloved Pope is standing today at the window of the Father's house that he sees and blesses us. So that's it for, for um, St. JP2. What, what can we learn from him? Again, redemptive suffering, right? Redemptive suffering, I think it's a common line, common thread that we can see from our saints, right? We're not living the prosperity gospel. It's not like that. Um, it's really, we need to endure through this pain and suffering. But I'm not saying that it's just, all pain and suffering of course there's gonna be great and joyful days but the thing is we it's not we're not gonna escape from it or it's really part of our lives and we can endure it only through christ and um through christ and he will give us the grace give us the resources and give us the means and um we look to the saints you know we just look to the saints every time we find it hard um, we get inspiration from the saints. They've done it. And the Lord wills for us to be like them above all else. That's it. Anything hey, to add that We should not forget the World Youth Day, which was created by the pontificate of uh, Pope John Paul II. And if you talk to Catholic exorcists, whenever they exercise, um, the devils hate Pope John Paul II because of his creation of the World Youth Day. And our youth, we don't know what they're going through. Our youth nowadays are exposed to so many evil. Like um, we're now living in an age where, I, I would always say this, we're now living in an age wherein there's so many definitions of gender, there's easier access to pornography, um, there's cyberbullying. So we, we don't know what our teenagers go through. 
Um, and so by creating the World Youth Day, Pope John Paul II was able to bring the youth back to the to the church, to, to, to Christ. And also you mentioned um, Our Lady <laughs> Fatima. And um, you know, this is a shout out as well to my um, friends from the World Apostolate Fatima, Jerry, Oliver, because I hope someday we can talk about this. Um, because Pope John Paul II is linked to the secrets of the uh, that was revealed in the Fatima apparition. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know if you uh, if you if you've noticed um, a that Pope John Paul II is a very Marian Pope. Yes. Yes. Okay? Correct. And uh, there's no other Pope in the history of the Church which has who has written so many encyclicals about the Blessed Virgin Mary. No other Pope in the history of the Church who has traveled to to so many Marian apparition sites other than Pope John Paul II. And I'm sure you've noticed this, okay? But um, what's also common among all the six saints we discussed today are their special love and devotion to our Blessed Mother, to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Now, when I started this online poll, I said that we shouldn't really be including Mary to the options only because... You know, there are so many church fathers, popes, and saints who said that Mary is the holiest of all the saints, even if we com combine the merits of all the saints that we know. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, because of our love for the Blessed Mother, for our Blessed Mother Mary, non-Catholics think that we deify or we worship Mary. A, are we really worshiping Mary? Why do, do Catholics give this much devotion and veneration to our Blessed Virgin Mary? Yes. So the clear, I mean, yes, I'm going to answer your question, but the clear answer to that is no, we do not worship Mary. Um, in, in the Catholic Church, there's this, um, there's this term that we call latria. Can you hear me? There's this term that we call latria. So latria is only for God alone. For latria means praise, adoration, and worship only to God. Only to one God. So let's just make that clear. That is latria. But next to that, why? The question is, why do we put her Mother Mary in such a high pedestal, right? Here comes the next uh, theological terms that we'll discuss. You can feel free to add blank dead. So for, for Mary, it's called hyperdulia, right? So for hyperdulia, this is the highest generation. Notice Brother Ted said earlier, she's like the holiest of all saints. And that is why there's that high veneration that we give for our Blessed Virgin Mary. And also, uh, scripture tells us, if you go to John 19, uh, John 19, 26 to 27, what does Jesus say to John? John, behold your mother, right? John, behold your mother. Jesus, our church teaches us that Jesus is giving his mother to John in representation of our church. Amen. Now, if God is giving us his mother, so why Shouldn't we give her that highest veneration, right? That highest respect. If Jesus is our Lord, we should follow him to the letter. And that is why we Catholics are doing this, this veneration to our mother. And if you look about, if you think about it, you know, on my personal experience, I mean, doing the rosary, she leads me to, to Christ. The rosary, 
uh, leads me into meditation on the life of Christ. So it's just very, very fitting to have this um, highest veneration for her. Did you want to add something first on no, this no. hyperdulia? Okay. And the last one is dulia. So dulia is uh, this general term that we make to the saints, veneration to the saints generally. So you have your latria, which is the, the praise and adoration to our one God only the triune god and then your hyperdulia highest veneration to our lady because as i've said no it, it's scriptural it's biblical and the dulia which is the veneration to all of the saints so it's it's fitting to have all these venerations because um um we are also technically praising god in a way if you think about it because we're praising god for the lives of these saints that perfected the race right look at it it's a great example that they say just look at a painting right or look at this painting it's a painting of my brother he did this so you 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 have like this appreciation the painting is great but look behind the painter the painting rather it's the painter the maker it's the same logic right so we venerate we give veneration to the saints to ultimately praise god and guys we Catholic Christians, we're weak, you know, we're human, we're fallen, and we need to look to real people as well to help us finish the race, to help Amen. us win the race. And um, it all, it does not, this whole hyperdulia, uh, dulia does not take away from God's divinity. God is not insecure. God is all-powerful. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. He has that, that great power. He's not going to be insecure if we have this veneration. In fact, we're worshiping him even more. And I guess a last, um, one more uh, last, uh, last term that I recently learned is protodulia. And then this is for, for St. Joseph, the veneration to St. Joseph. I guess I'm not quite sure if this is like a long time ago, but I've only heard about this this year because maybe we've um, opened up the year of St. Joseph. So this is veneration to, to St. Joseph. So there, um, I hope uh, you've learned something, guys, about something about this whole latte, hyperdulia, dulia. Just to have like that clear distinction and, and definition. And again, it all points to God. And it it all points to the fact that this faith is communal, right? This faith is we're in this together. It's not just personal. So yeah. Thank you very much, A. So just to summarize, uh, my my dear friend, so Latria is worship to God and to God alone. Okay. And we have hyperdulia, which is a veneration given to our blessed mother because she is the Theotokos, the mother of God. And below the hyperdulia, we have protodulia, who is Saint Joseph, the veneration we gave to Saint jo we gave to Saint Joseph because of the fact that he is the foster father of Jesus and he is the spouse of our blessed mother. And the veneration we gave we give to saints is dulia. Okay. A, thank you very much for sharing your knowledge and your precious time with us. Friends, my dear friends, if you'd like to hear more from A, I do encourage you to follow and subscribe to the Unmasked podcast. A, how could we find your podcast and your social media account? Yes, uh, thank you. Thanks, Ted, again for inviting me. I had fun. I, I had fun. I learned, I, I learned so much uh, from you about the saints and 
you know, just going through the recaps of, of how, why we venerate these saints, you know, I'm, it's a good learning experience once again. So thank you so much. And this is really all for, for the glory of God. And this would be the cause of our joy, so, so to speak. Uh, so friends, um, catch, um, no, like or follow us at The Unmasked Life. It's on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we also have a, a podcast. It's called Your Story Unmasked. It's on Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, for this specific podcast, we talk to um, converts. Uh, we, we talk about real-life conversion stories of people um, who were once lost, had restless hearts, wrestled with the important questions about life and the faith, but with the goodness of God along the way, along their journeys, these people um, have unmasked. Uh, Jesus Christ in his fullness and through his church. So yeah, uh, we have um, we have we don't have new episodes yet. I'm very sorry, but we will uh, we will have them um, soon. So just catch you know our old past episodes. We have former Protestants, former non-believers, former uh, former witch occult who came to became a Catholic. Very very interesting stuff. Again, all for the glory of God. Um, there. Thank you, Ted. And, and of course, my dear friends, I will be sharing with you, with all of you, the the links on how we could find a on her social media account. And I'd like to end this episode by taking a few words from from the book, the Compact History of the Catholic Church by Dr. Alan Shrek. Okay. And so, Dr. Alan Shrek said, "The saints of the Church and the admirable example of so many popes, consecrated women." martyrs, bishops, and even children and young people who have given their lives to God inspire and show us the true nature of the church, a holy nation, a people set apart or consecrated for God. My dear friends, um, when we talk about people consecrated to God, we are talking about people who follow Christ. It is you and me, the disciples of Christ, the disciples who follow Christ even to this day and age. The followers of Christ are Christians, all of us. And the, and the model of following Christ is our Blessed Mother Mary. Because when she heard the word of God, she acted on it. Amen. The word of God and acting on the word of God is what Christianity is all about. Thank you very much. Amen. Us with the Hail Mary, please. Okay. Uh, let us remember that we are the most holy presence of the Lord, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you very much, Katie, and thank you very much to, to all of you. Again, don't ever forget, God loves you. Jesus loves you. Mary, our Blessed Mother, loves you. God bless. Amen. God bless, guys. Thank you for listening. If you have been blessed with this episode, please click the subscribe button. Ave Maria.